Hi, welcome to Conversations with Elizabeth Johnston. I'm your host, Elizabeth, and this episode is sponsored by SchoolhouseTeachers.com. And I am so excited about my guest today. Her name is Leslie Vernick. Leslie is a popular speaker, author, licensed clinical social worker, and relationship coach. She has over 35 years of experience helping individuals, couples, and families heal, rebuild, or grow their relationships. Growing up in a broken home with an abusive mom, Leslie has learned firsthand how difficult it can be to act in a Christ-like way with a destructive relationship. Leslie is the author of seven books, one which really rocked my world and helped me, um, including the best-selling Emotionally Destructive Marriage and The Emotionally Destructive Relationship. Leslie, it is truly an honor to have you on my podcast. Welcome. Well, thank you. I'm delighted to be here. It's such an important topic that churches, women, and leaders need to learn about because there are so many people in destructive relationships, and they're not sure what to do biblically. They want to do the right thing. They want to honor God. They want to forgive all the things that we're told to do, and yet it gets really messy, and I had to learn it firsthand in dealing with my mother. So- Mm. When my parents were divorced, my mom took my my younger siblings and I in a one-bedroom apartment. I was eight years old. My siblings were four and two, and I was the babysitter. And she got mm. two jobs. She worked a lot. She drank a lot. She mm. worked on weekends as a Playboy waitress, which I only remembered recently when I was looking at some old pictures. And I thought, oh, yeah, I remember she did that. Wow. Uh, so my mom was just bipolar. She had a lot of her own issues. And finally, when I was 14, my father got custody of us which was really rare 50 years ago for men to get dads to get full custody of their children and for the moms to lose custody. Wow. So yeah. So when I did that, then I became a Christian and, but my mom didn't change. (laughs) So now how do I honor my mother? How do I have this relationship with my mother? I'm supposed to honor, especially as I graduated from college, I started working in clinical social work. I wanted to do the right thing. I knew what her problem was, but she didn't want any help for it. Uh, And so what do you do? Like, I don't trust her. I don't feel safe with her. She threatened to kill me at one time. She stabbed her second husband. She was a scary woman. And am I supposed to have this relationship with her? Am I supposed to just forgive and forget? Am I supposed to have no boundaries? Should I let her see my children? Should she babysit my children? How do I send a Mother's Day card? There is no Mother's Day card that says, have a nice day. You know, (laughs) so all these struggles for me as the Christian Mm. counselor and as the woman in this relationship, even my husband was afraid of her. And so it was like, the Bible, the Bible does have answers for this, doesn't it? And as I began to yes. really study about relationships and what Jesus says, of course, we're to forgive, we're to love our enemy, but mm-hmm. he doesn't say we have to live with our enemy or have a conversation with our enemy, especially when they've harmed you. And so I don't think the church has done enough teaching on relationships and what it takes to build good relationships, keep good relationships and repair broken ones. Yeah, there's no question about that. And that's how um, I came across you. Actually, I was dealing with some emotionally destructive relationships, multiple. I mean, we, we encounter these relationships at church, at work, 
in, you know, pastoral leadership, in ministry, in our own families, in marriages. There are so many places that we encounter this. So please don't think that this only applies to um, marriage. Uh, Leslie intentionally has written two separate books. One is the emotionally destructive relationship and one is the emotionally destructive marriage. And these are incredible resources that you can distribute to friends and family members and to yourself um, if you are in need of this. But a friend of mine from church actually DM'd me your website and I think a blog article of yours and your book information. I immediately got it and started ingesting your material. And wow, I said immediately to myself, I wish I had had this 10 years ago. Um, This is life-changing for me. And one of the things that I love that is in your um, destructive relationship books is you actually have a test where you go through and take this test to ask yourself, okay, am I just in an imperfect relationship or am I in an emotionally destructive relationship? And when I took that test, you know, it was very high scoring that I was in destructive situations in multiple relationships and that I needed to address this. And so I want to thank you personally for um, how your resources have helped me and empowered me. And now I am empowering my 10 children with this information and uh, super excited about their futures because they're not going to put up with some of the crap that I put up with. (laughs) You're breaking the cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I am breaking the cycle, but I want to get right into some questions uh, because I am super excited about how you are going to empower um, my listeners. Um, I want to talk about the difference between an emotionally destructive relationship and just an imperfect relationship. How do you um, define whether you are at the place of destructive relationship? So a couple couple characteristics. First of all, we all stumble in many ways. We don't marry a perfect person. We don't right. have, we have a perfect person. We don't have any perfect relationships, none. So all relationships contain sin and suffering, every single one, it, to some degree. So when a healthy person is in a relationship with another relatively healthy person, and they're both Christians, and they mess up, let's say they do a big destructive thing, like they cheat on you, or they lie to you, or they lie about you, or they steal from you, do something really harmful. If a healthy person does that, we would call that a destructive or an abusive incident. I share in, in one of my books, I lost my temper with my two-year-old once. I lost it plenty of times, but lost it in a bad way with him once and yanked him up by his arm and I actually dislocated his elbow out of his pocket. And it reminded me of my mom and it reminded me that I was very capable of repeating mm. the sins of, you know, the father's power passed down, the sins of the mothers are passed down. But in this moment, here's the difference. This was a destructive or abusive incident, Mm -hmm. but it never became a pattern. We didn't have a destructive Mm -hmm. relationship because when a healthy person recognizes they've crossed that line, they own it. They Mm -hmm. own it. They don't blame shift. They don't make excuses. They don't go in denial. They don't cover it up. They own it. I owned what I did. I took my son to the emergency room. I told the truth. I tell the doctor what I did. Um, And, you know, it... I told my husband what I did. I got help, so I never did it again. And so, yes, we're married to imperfect people. We're friends with imperfect people. Our parents are imperfect people. Our kids are imperfect people. We're going to do stuff that messes up. But when it becomes a pattern, yeah. and it happens again and again and again, with no acceptance of responsibility, no remorse for the pain they've caused, no repentance or change, 
then that relationship itself, not just the behaviors, but the relationship itself becomes destructive because you're expected to forgive 70 times seven. You're expected to give amnesty with no consequences. And those things just aren't biblical. Yeah. I, that brings me to another question. Um, what about if the person does say they're sorry, but it's like, will you forgive me? And then they immediately want forgiveness and trust restored. Talk about that for a minute. So, so this is a funny story. So I was teaching this in front of my pastors. I go to a large church in Phoenix. And so I said, imagine this, because this is the advice that we give, you know, as counselors, as pastors, we give this, just forgive mm -hmm. and keep going. So imagine that you were in church and your car was, and you're pulling out of the parking lot and someone was texting and they smashed into your car and your head was gashed and your car was smashed and they jumped out of their car and they said, oh my gosh, pastor, I am so glad it's you. I am so sorry. Will you forgive me? Love covers a multitude of sins. See you next week. <laughs> I said, even if you were a really godly man, that would be tough to just let yeah. it go. You don't have any, no, no concern for the damage they've caused. Your head is bleeding. No concern for the car that's wrecked that you have to get a rental car or any offer to pay for it. They just expect amnesty and they're off. But let's right. say that person did it again and again and again. What would your response be? Would you just keep forbearing or would it be time to say no this isn't okay no you, one would tolerate that <laughs> no one would but yet in certain relationships especially family relationships marriage relationships we sort of expect a woman or a man who's being cheated on again and again or lied to again and again or hit again and again or verbally battered again and again to sort of just suck it up if they were strong enough they could do it for the sake of the family mm. Right. Very unhealthy. And as you mentioned, unfortunately, the body of Christ, church leadership seems to be very ill-equipped to deal with abusive situations in their congregations. And that is the reason that I have begun to want to use, you know, the little microphone the Lord has given me to uh, start shining a light on this issue and making sure that Christian leaders as, and especially pastors have the resources and tools available to them to train them to properly handle these things. I believe the statistic is something like one in three um, Christian women report being in a destructive relationship. Is that correct, Leslie? Yeah, it was really interesting, Elizabeth. I was writing a book on depression when I was in my counseling practice and I was seeing a lot of depressed Christian women, mm -hmm. women who love the Lord, women who are good, kind, yes. sacrificial, suffering servants for Jesus. Um, and yet they were being objectified in their marriage. They were being taken advantage of by their friends. They were being depleted. Um, they had these such lopsided relationships where they were the giver and the other people were the taker, including their children, including their church friends and and they were getting drained and they didn't know how to say no enough i won't do this anymore i need some time for me or what about me that right. always was told that they were selfish or you need to die to yourself these biblical terms that we've used inappropriately in certain cases that have made a woman feel selfish for stewarding herself nobody in their right mind would give anybody who asked their atm card here help yourself to my bank account and yet somehow we're supposed to just let someone help themselves to our time, our energy, our talents without any no. And that's mm. just, again, not biblical. Jesus said no plenty of times. And we need to teach, especially women, that it's okay to say no. 
Wow. That's going to tick a lot of people off that are listening, (laughs) you know, and it's amazing how there's always a Bible verse to support the mistreatment and the abuse. And that's when, um, people really get trapped in, um, mind control and, um, just mind trips, head trips that people can easily play. Yeah, it's so interesting. And when when a couple or people go to a pastor or counselor for help, it's the victim who tends to get scolded that she's not doing enough. And the villain or abuser, especially if he feigns, I'm sorry, sort of gets off with, good job, you're sorry. (laughs) And somehow she's got to pick up all the pieces and clean up all the wounds and still have a happy smiling face. And it just doesn't work that way. And God isn't asking it to work that way, actually. Which is why you're so very busy in the work that you do, because there's no end of people who need your help right now, Leslie. Um, and your website is leslievernick.com. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Leslievernick.com. Vernick is spelled V-E-R-N-I-C-K. Please follow Leslie on Facebook and Instagram. Leslie frequently goes live and has just uh, great insights to share um, on destructive relationships and so many different um, topics, boundaries and things. And I highly recommend that you make sure you follow her again. I regret that I was not following Leslie 10 years ago. So make sure you do not let the day go by without doing that. Let's take a quick break to mention our sponsor, and then we'll get right back into this great conversation. This episode is sponsored by SchoolhouseTeachers.com. As a homeschool mom of 10 children with 20 years of homeschooling experience, I am passionate about resources that help parents teach their children at home. Our sponsor, SchoolhouseTeachers.com, does just that by providing all the necessary tools for homeschool success. Over 9,000 families around the world are members. Homeschooling is so crucial today and joining schoolhouseteachers.com is the solution that will help you create a strong faith-based foundation for your children. With your schoolhouseteachers.com membership, you can create your own homeschool schedule using over 400 unique courses, videos, lap books, unit studies, and more. One price covers the entire family. Use the code EXPLORE to pay only $179 for a two-year ultimate membership during schoolhouseteachers.com BOGO event. This is an incredible savings opportunity, you guys. For $179, you're getting two years of membership for the entire family. Sign up now and receive a complimentary Explore the World tote while supplies last. Um, We do not, as we mentioned, hear a lot um, in the pulpit about healthy relationships either, not just destructive relationships, but the flip side of that, healthy relationships. And we're kind of naive sometimes. We think, okay, they claim to be a Christian. They come to church every time the doors are open. So everything must be okay. But what are some of the components of a healthy relationship, Leslie, um, or even a healthy friendship with someone that we should be looking for? I think there's a three essential components to all healthy relationships. They're mutuality, reciprocity, and freedom. If I could just unpack that a bit, mutual. Wow. So yeah. that you want mutual honesty, mutual caring, mutual respect, and mutual responsibility for the 
the care and the maintenance and the repair of the relationship. Because again, there is no perfect relationship. So when both people are doing that and both people are working on that, whether that's a good friendship or a family relationship or a husband-wife relationship, then that's one of the key necessary components for a healthy relationship. When you only have one person doing all of that, one person being honest, one person being caring, one person being faithful, you have a ministry to someone, but you don't have a relationship an interpersonal relationship with that person. They're the giver, they're the taker. Reciprocity means that power and responsibility are divvied up in the relationship. When you have two adult people, there's some people who are responsible for some things, other people are responsible for other things, but not one person has power over another person in that relationship. Mm. It's not a healthy friendship. Might be a slave-master relationship in some cultures, Mm -hmm. but it's not a healthy friendship or a healthy relationship that way we we would describe it. And then the freedom isn't, especially if you're married, the freedom to do whatever you want without accountability, but the freedom to be yourself, the freedom to be the person that God called you to be and not have to morph into what someone else tells you to be or someone else thinks you should be, that you have the ability to have your own ideas and your own thoughts and your own feelings without feeling or being told you're being rebellious or unsubmissive or selfish that that just isn't true. And yet we've been sort of taught as women that if we disagree, we're being disrespectful. Yeah. If we stand up for ourselves, we're being selfish. And and biblically, again, that's just not seen in the scripture and it's not true. Yes. The freedom to disagree is, uh, is very important. Um, and something that, yeah, it's very easy to use the submission card to make sure that you are never confronted, to make sure that no one is ever making you feel uncomfortable or, um, or disagreeing with you. Um, on that note, how do you reconcile, Leslie, the things that you do, uh, that you teach to women that help them in these destructive relationships with what the Bible says about submission? Yeah, I think we have to start with looking at what the Bible says about headship, because I think some abuse, the very definition of an abusive relationship is oppressor, controller, Mm. uh, dominator. And so when you think of that kind of imbalance in power and the status of a woman, if she's to be submissive, one of the questions I ask pastors when we're confronted about this is, so an adult woman, when she gets married, now no longer has the rights of an adult to make a decision or say no to something. She now has to function like a child, that she has to ask permission. She has to do what someone says with no input and no no ability to disagree. And they wouldn't say that. So headship isn't being the boss. In fact, Jesus was really clear with his disciples. He said, hey, if you're going to be the head of my church Do not lord it over people like the Gentiles do. That's not the way we do leadership here, guys. We don't bully people. We don't oppress people. That's what the culture does. We don't do that. Here, let me show you what a leader looks like. And then he washes their dirty feet. So biblical headship isn't a power position. It's a servant position, servant leadership. And that's what headship is supposed to look like. Submission is not just for wives. And biblical submission is good. You don't have to have your way all the time. We're called to submit to God, we're called to submit to authority, and we're called to submit to one another. But submission is a choice. And Mm. when you don't have a choice, you're just told you have to comply, or you're afraid to say no because there's a huge price to pay. That's not biblical submission. That's coercion and oppression. And that is something God hates. Yes. (laughs) He tells us to fight for the oppressed. Yes, he does. And so you're saying that headship is pretty much 180 degrees opposite of oppression. 
and coercion and power. It's actually washing the feet of those who you are claiming to, um, to, to be head, head of, to lead. Yeah, yeah. it's loving, loving servant mm-hmm. leadership. Right. Yeah. And it's, and so we use headship as a cover for selfishness. Mm. Like I get my way because I'm the head. You do what I say because I'm the head. You don't get a choice because I'm the head. Bible describes those kinds of attitudes very clearly. And it's not biblical headship. It's pride and selfishness. Right. So good. So good. So is it possible to, you talk about your mother and how destructive that situation was. Is it possible to have a good relationship with someone who is destructive towards you? No, it isn't. Because it's impossible for us to have a relationship with someone we don't feel safe with. Mm. You know, when, we, when you feel under threat of harm, and we're not just talking about physical harm. I, I felt threat under physical harm, but also emotional harm. I mean, she could say the most horrible things to me about mm. who I was or, you know, things she, that mm. no mother should say to their child, but she would say them in her moments of fury. Um, she would, she couldn't cause me financial harm, but sometimes when you're in a relationship with someone, they can cause you financial harm. My mother wasn't a Christian, but I've been bullied by pastors who think that they know, you know, better than everybody else and they don't listen and they just want to spiritually oppress Um, So there's lots of ways to cause harm to someone. So you can't have a good relationship with someone that you're feeling afraid of or in fight or flight kind of mode around them. With my mother, I didn't have any contact actually with her for 15 years by both my voice and hers because she didn't want to change. And I wasn't going to put myself in her company and Mm -hmm. feel afraid or let my children feel afraid of of her behavior. I just wasn't going to do that. I felt like it was okay for me to have boundaries. This is okay with me. And this is not okay with me. And if you want to do those things, I'm not going to be in your company. But when she got ill, she died of lung cancer. When she got ill, I had done a lot of my own work to forgive her, not reconcile with her, but forgive her, not trust her, but forgive her so that I wasn't hung up. And when she got ill, I could help her so I could do ministry to her, for her, to honor her without Mm -hmm. any expectation. I had good boundaries. If she started to pop any, you know, knives or alcohol or anything like that, I I would leave, you know, I would do those kind of things, but I could help her in those ways and spend limited time with her. And she was too weak to really be all that aggressive anyway. So I could minister to her in, in some safe ways, but we didn't have a relationship until she began to change. And so Mm. it's interesting that sometimes you do have ministry to people for certain periods of time, but don't confuse that with relationship. Yeah, that's really good. I'm, I just, um, had an experience recently where I witnessed, uh, text messages between a daughter and her father in which, Uh, Because the daughter told the father that she was not comfortable having a face-to-face conversation or confrontation with him, that she was was comfortable with with texting, but not a face-to-face confrontation. Um, And she set up that boundary and said, I don't feel safe having a face-to-face confrontation. He started quoting Bible verses and telling her what a sinner she was and how rebellious and arrogant she was. He stomped all over um, her boundaries. What would you say to that person listening who is trying to set boundaries and is being accused of sin and rebellion? 
you know, again, that's another very confusing thing in the church because especially for women to set boundaries, it's like, it's okay yeah. for a man to say what's okay with him or what not okay with him. <laughs> so but it's true. okay for a woman to do that. And so when she starts setting boundaries, because we have such a um, unequal view of the personhood of men and women in the church, no one would admit that, but it's mm-hmm. true. It happens that women should fall under authority and do what the man says, yes. even if what he's saying is unbiblical and wrong. Um, and they wouldn't expect another man to do that, but they do expect a daughter or a wife to do that. And so there is that confusion around submission. But what I would tell her is, you did all you could to be at peace. Paul says, as much as it depends on you, be at peace. As much as it depends on you, do not be overcome by evil, mm-hmm. overcome evil with good, which is don't let them get to you. Mm-hmm. So she was able to hold her integrity there. These are my boundaries. This is what I can do. This is what I can't do. But somehow when a woman or a child says, I can't do that, or I don't want to do that, or I won't do that, I won't meet you in person. She becomes the villain. She becomes the bad guy and he becomes the victim. Right. Look what you're doing to me. Look at your sinner. You you've sinned against me. And it becomes really confusing. And I think that's why women need one another to kind of bounce these ideas off of. We need to be honest about what's going on in our relationships so we don't feel like, am I all alone? Is this, am I crazy? Am I rebellious? Am I submissive? When she shared that with you and you could say back to her, no, dear, you've done what you can do biblically. Right. Let go of it. Just like when Jesus went to Judas and said, hey, Judas, are you sure you want to do what you're going to do? And Judas said, mm-hmm. Yeah. And Jesus didn't beg him to come back. He let him go. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good, Leslie. <laughs> Leslie, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Everyone, please share this this episode and connect with Leslie. God bless you, Leslie. Thanks so much, Elizabeth. It was great to be with you. And don't forget, this episode was sponsored by schoolhouseteachers.com.